Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Jamie Ray Wright. Jamie is a resilience and encouragement speaker, advocate, activist, coach, domestic violence survivor, and an upcoming author of two life-changing books, The Power of Overcoming Shame and Learning to Love Yourself Again, and Finding Purpose Through Pain. So I am super excited to welcome Jamie Ray Wright to the show. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm definitely honored. Oh, I'm very excited. We have a dear friend, Michelle Dewsbury, in common, and she's been on my show several times. Um, but I know so much about your story and what you've been through, and I know it's going to resonate with so many of my listeners. So please, would you share your story with us? Absolutely. So I'll definitely try to make a long, short story short. I uh, am a small town girl from a very rural part of Northeast Oklahoma here in the United States. Moved from Oklahoma to to Texas with my two daughters um, almost 20 years ago uh, on the brink of a divorce. That was my my ability to start my new life with a new job and and a new career and all of that good stuff. managed to raise my my two daughters they're phenomenal adult human beings now um but rewinding a um a couple of years prior to to now where i stand now i finally in 2018 thought that i was going to live that ideal life right have the handsome man with the perfect house and lean into my faith and we were going to do beautiful things together in the world, um, we met in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, here in the United States in 2018. He was tall, Sarah, he was dark and handsome and very, um, very much a gentleman. He was, he's a uh, ordained minister. So very much uh, we were aligned in terms of our spirituality, thought I had the world. Um, 2020, we exchanged vows. And at the time, I still lived in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. He lived in Houston, Texas, which is about four hours south of Dallas. And Houston is like the third largest city in the United States. Anyway, so in 2020, when we exchanged vows, I moved from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas to Houston. And that was around February of 2020. He had bought us a beautiful house. I mean everything for the most part was was just really really good now in terms of domestic violence and the platform that my creator has me on now i want to make sure that i'm always clear in that the domestic violence in my situation it started about three months after we started dating in, in in 2018 and it happened so quickly that i was shocked it was so he put his hands around my neck and he shook me and i was in shock sarah because a it was so different from the man that i knew him to be opening up the car doors and sending me flowers and beautiful romantic um 
poems and we pray together. So it literally took me about a whole day to really like, for it to really sink in that he had physically like shook me by the neck. So going back to February of 2020, when we got married now, the domestic violence was always in the background and a piece. So I don't wanna give a facade that everything was perfect when I moved from Dallas, Fort Worth to Houston, Texas. Uh, but for the most part, it was minus the physical and emotional and what I now know to be, he was grooming me for the financial abuse piece, meaning I didn't check the mail. He, you know, was like, hey, you know, babe, like, you don't have to work. So as soon as you get your debt paid off, you know, let's, let's, and, and mind you, Sarah, I have a beautiful, wonderful career. I'm blessed to, to, to really sincerely enjoy what I do for a living, but I wasn't opposed to being a stay-at-home wife, you know, uh, after becoming 13 years old and pregnant and back in the day and just grinding, grinding, grinding my entire life, even though I have this beautiful career, I was not, and I'm still not, if you have any male, you know, <laughs> viewers, I wasn't opposed to staying at home and just, you know, and leaning into the social impact part of what I feel like my purpose is in life. So that's February of 2020. By April, a couple of months after, by April of 2020, I found myself homeless, embarrassed, ashamed, confused um, as a result of my perfect husband hitting me in the face with a laptop and knocking my teeth loose. That wasn't the first time he was physical, but that definitely, Sarah, was the first time that I honestly felt in the moment that my life was at risk of being taken. That must have been so scary for you. So in that moment, you realized that it, this was the tipping point. Enough was enough. Those things you already mentioned, you'd sort of managed in some ways, as I know a lot of victims of abuse do they and me included you minimalize and normalize behaviors so that you stay because sometimes it can be good right and then you get into that loop so this was the tipping point then I mean goodness me and this is my truth it wasn't even the tipping point in that moment Sarah it took I so I ran out the house called 911 the police came and all of that good stuff now that all happened about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I had physical altercation prior, that prior morning. He had choked me and told me like, you know, I picked up this um, serving tray to defend myself. And now all of this is happening around eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, he said, go ahead and hit me because I want to kill you anyway. So I dropped the tray and I left. I had an appointment to go to. So I left to go to my appointment. Now, when I came back against my better judgment, there were several reasons why I went back after he had jumped on me that morning. The first was I had nowhere else to go, right? Because um, I didn't know anybody in Houston, Texas, nobody at all. Um, so I didn't have anywhere else to go. Believe that when he was texting me throughout my appointment, I'm sorry, babe, I won't do it again. On my way out of the house to go to my appointment, I'd asked him to reach out to our pastor. Because at that point, Sarah, we was going to pray it away, right? I was going to pray. We were going to pray that he'd keep his hands to himself and all of that good stuff. So when he was, you know, texting me and letting me know, like, I'm sorry, you know, our pastor is going to Zoom with us, counsel with us at four o'clock. Now, backing up a little bit. Now, this is when the pandemic, COVID-19 first 
hit. This is in April. So everybody, we were all adjusting to the Zoom, right? So by God's grace, our pastor had already had the Zoom and all of that set up. So like I said, against my better judgment, I go home knowing that the pastor, you know, was going to pray, pray it away. And, and my, my exit promised me that he wouldn't do it again. And that's when uh, we were sitting there just having a conversation. And before I knew it, and I never in a million years, Sarah, would have expected him to hit me in the face with my laptop. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even flinch or anything because I just never expected him to do that. And, and before I knew it, I, I felt the impact, seeing the stars, heard the stuff, like heard stuff falling on the floor. And at first I thought it was my teeth because I, I remember the impact. Now, at the time I had on braces and anybody that's ever been in braces, I was on my last track. So the brackets, by God's grace, and the wire was, was thick and it knocked the wire up into my gums, but it saved my tooth. But I, I can swear at the time that like the, the things that I heard falling was my teeth out of my mouth. So fast forward, call 911, like many of us survivors, I was like, I, I don't want my husband to go to jail. You know, I don't. So I, I asked the the, the uh, sheriffs that came out. I said, please, I don't I don't want him to go to jail. We have a session with my with our pastor at four, which was like forty five minutes away. Um, can I want biblical, I want to see biblical counsel? And they were like, sure, but just you know, make sure that after you get finished, somebody needs to leave. And the sheriffs handed me this packet, this little small packet of of domestic violence resources. Now, mind you, Sarah, at the time, I didn't even know, really, I was still wrapping my head around what was going on. The packet, I just signed because I had to sign for the packet to kind of get the shares out the way and get on the Zoom call with my pastor so he can pray the situation away. So the breaking point was not until my pastor seen my face on the Zoom. Now, by this time, the swelling had started and all of that. And my pastor said, you're not safe. You need to leave. My truth was, especially in the African-American community, I thought that he was going to tell me to stay. If he would have told me to stay, I absolutely would have stayed. He told me I needed to leave. And I packed up like just a couple of, I packed maybe like a, a, a day's worth of clothes and my work computer and I left. And it wasn't until I went into the shelter and the psychotherapist that began to work with me the next day explained to me the power and control will, the dynamics of domestic violence. Because for me, my truth was I grew up experiencing domestic violence, hearing my mom and seeing my mom be abused. So there was parts of me that thought that that was what love looked like. But it wasn't until the psychotherapist explained the power and control will to me and explained to me that, because I'm like, I'm not staying in this home. It's essentially a homeless shelter for women and children. The pandemic's going on. Like, I don't know these people. People are walking around with masks. I had on a mask. I told the psychotherapist, I was like, listen, tell me how to go back home and blend in with the walls. I want to go back home. She said, sure. She said, you have to understand his triggers. And I'm like, his trick. I didn't know anything about it. She's like, understand his triggers. And so that when the, when the cycle begins, the honeymoon and then the tension and then the violence begins. And now as this lady is explaining this, Sarah, I'm like, she's got to be in my house. 
in the walls, but not understanding that I was in a classic case of domestic violence that people have done studies for years on. Yeah, I, the way you just said, it gave me chills listening. I'm sure my listeners too. When you said, tell me how to go home and blend into the walls. I mean, wow, that hit me because I've felt that before myself, but also, you know, it's so powerful that you still wanted to go back to that environment, knowing what might happen and knowing that he threatened to kill you. So. I mean, and I understand the power and control. I'm not sure that everyone listening does. So maybe you could explain a little bit about that. Absolutely. So the power and control will what is a, a wheel that was created uh, from a study that was done in Duluth, Minnesota, with a bunch of powerful women advocates that wanted to end domestic violence. And what it is, is it's um, studies that show indicators that you might, and describe indicators that you might be an abusive relationship, whether it's uh, power control over the physical abuse, financial, sexual abuse, and it gives these little indicators and examples like, does your mate go through your phone? Um, does your mate control all the financial decisions? And, and it's literally so popular now, Sarah, and I had no clue it existed. You can literally, one can literally Google uh, Duluth model power and control wheels so that's what it is and, and that and that's what the psychotherapist used to help me she didn't say oh you're in a abusive relationship you need to leave she just simply put up that power and control wheel and was like have you experienced this have you? and i drew my own conclusion of like wait a minute i'm in a domestic violence situation and it's unless my ex abuser gets the help that he deserves it's not going to change so she was empowering me empowering me even in the midst of one of the darkest moments in my life Gosh. it sounds like it was a bit of a game changer for you because you would have gone back otherwise so so how did that advice impact you to to do something different are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce are you feeling devastated heartbroken sad and anxious if so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. It sounds like it was a bit of a game changer for you because you would have gone back otherwise. So, so how did that advice impact you to, to do something different? Beautiful question. When I realized that there was triggers, there was things about him that I had to understand not to bump up against and that at the point that I bumped up against them that I was at risk of coming back to the homeless shelter or even worse I was at risk of my two beautiful adult daughters burying me 
that was my was the point where my my heart and my ears opened up so when the psychotherapist told me in the same session she said if you make the decision to stay here with us i promise you i will help you get to the bottom of why you're so accepting of abuse that her holding that space for me letting me know that to the point that she could she would make sure that i understood had nothing to do with him that i understood why i knew like why i felt like that's what love looked like why i was accepting it just it opened my heart and that was the turning point. i was like i'd rather my i'd rather my girls bury me as a result of of covid because at the time you know covid was taking people out right and left versus them burying me because i said something to a man that he didn't like Wow, it's so powerful. And, and that journey that you went on then, what were those big realizations? What did you learn from that that, that made you stronger to, to be able to turn your whole life around again? Lots of trauma-informed therapy. I was in the shelter for almost three months because like everything was shut down, stores and everything, right? So from April to July, I was at the, the, the women's shelter. And every week we would have therapy sessions and continuing to lean into that, that, that space of my heart and my ears being open that this, I trusted that this woman was going to help me to figure it out. For me, a lot of it went back to my childhood. And as, and it's a journey, like you said, Sarah, you are absolutely right because I'm still on that journey. Once I started to understand that I was more in love with the idea of love. I was more in love with my ex loving me, needing that validation from a man than I love myself. Then it just started like this phoenix started to rise up. And as I started my healing journey and understanding that I was, I am my own best advocate. I have to stand in my truth and, and lots of Brene Brown reading, her podcast, Brene Brown is the is the um, professor here in, in, in the Houston, Texas, ironically enough, that studies shame. So coupled with standing in my truth and understanding that the first time he hit me, okay, the second time, okay, but the at the third and fourth and fifth time, I was asking him to do something for me that I couldn't do for myself, and that was love me. Because had I loved myself enough, I would have sought the help that I needed to figure out what was best for me. Which for me, it was not to stay in that in an abusive relationship. So was that the coupling of, of the empowered, like standing in my truth and then learning a lot from Brene Brown in terms of shame and in terms of forgiving myself. Oh, interesting, forgiving yourself or not him necessary yeah as i forgave myself it's this beautiful thing that opens up. i forgive him because i see his humanity right i, I mean, see I know. That he hurt me because he was hurt the difference is i was willing to do the work standing in my truth the therapy and he was not and he is not instead of him going to do the work whatever that looked like he went and leaned on other women. So it made it very easy for, it made it very easy for me to continue standing up and saying, dang, I love him. 
and dang, you fine. And dang, I did, you know, I wanted to like, you know, be this social impact, you know, beautiful, you know, person, you know, empowering women. And that from that point, it was from my being 14 years old and becoming a mother and pregnant by five times by four different men by the time I was 19 years old and, 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 and showing women that there's life on the other side because now I live a beautiful life. That, that was the empowerment I was leaning into, not knowing that my creator had this whole other <laughs> opportunity for me to care to build. But um, yeah, I was like, yeah, I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted my marriage to work. But it, it, he made it very obvious that um, he did not because he wasn't willing to get the help. Yeah, and I think a lot of people listening will will aspire to forgive that person that's done that, but may struggle with that. So do you have any advice for how to you know, even forgive yourself? Because quite often, I know a lot of my clients will feel really ashamed that, and you mentioned the word shame there, that it is humiliating that they got themselves into this situation. I know when I went through my breakup, it was humiliating because everybody knew about it. Everyone knew what had been going on behind my back and I didn't. And I, and the shame of that was, you know, I think it's one of the big things to deal with when you're going through and coming out of a toxic relationship. So what would your advice be for people listening who are struggling with that? See the other person's humanity. Um, case in point, the, the man that abused my mom and sexually abused my sister and I, I got the honor of understanding why I asked him why. And he explained to me that he basically, and I say basically, like it's not my story to tell, that he was fighting his own demons. So he did yeah. to me and my sister what was done to him, not making it right. But from a forgiveness standpoint, I seen his, and I still see his humanity. I see my ex's humanity. And for me, Sarah, it's like, doing the work my therapist and i'm still very much in therapy when we first started my journey it went back to my childhood and it went back to the point that my my six-year-old little girl was broken and violated and so for me as i continue to do the work on her i carry her every the six-year-old afraid broken little girl and as I carry her and I nurture her, now this has all been tools that I've learned through therapy. My trade, I'm an auditor for a living, right? So all of this is just literally from the work that I've done myself. As I continue nurturing her, what's happening is oftentimes with men, I can, I can tell their, their six and seven-year-old broken little boy. And so it's made it easier for me to say, I have to protect my my little girl and she's doing the work and since you and your little boy are not i'm gonna love you i'm gonna forgive you because i can't hold that in but i'm gonna love you over here because my little girl deserves this over here i'm gonna give her when nobody else gave her when she was a girl. So some might think it's a play on words and a, and a play like a this power positive thinking um, cliche-ish type stuff, but Sarah, it, it works. And prayer, I don't, if it's meditation, prayer, that getting along with your, with whoever your creator is, whether that, that inner voice, yeah. I agree. I mean, I find that we sometimes struggle more with that than others. And sometimes just even simplifying that 
anger or that hatred to feeling sorry for someone in a way that's the same as seeing the humanity sort of saying you know kind happy people do not do that to other people they don't treat people like that um it can start that process of dialing it down to the point where it becomes more manageable for you and it's not eating you up from the inside out because that's what we you know what like you're saying you don't need that you don't need to carry that with you we need to deal with it so yeah how do we process that and start that because Healing is all about, you know, letting go, isn't it, of some of that pain. So you've got more space to embrace the good stuff, which you clearly have um, turning your life around. I just wanted to ask you a little bit there. You talked about your childhood. Um, and do you see through your therapy and the, the journey you've been on that you were repeating patterns because they were unconsciously maybe but familiar to you so you're reaching out to that as well this feels almost safe in a way ironically because it's what I know even though it, it wasn't safe absolutely you nailed it Sarah it is my and it was so subconscious that it took my therapist telling me like you're trying so hard not to be like your mom but you're just like her boom you'd be like a ton of breaks absolutely and what I know now is it's not something that disappears. I still have to work on that subconscious, like it feels safe, like you just said. But the beautiful thing is like, it's no longer a blind spot. The beautiful thing is now it's here. So now I have the ability to catch it when I'm leaning into it because it does not go away. I mean, it's a part of my fabric. It's a part of like, I can't rip those pages, unfortunately, out of my life but I can acknowledge them and I can say, wait a minute, Jamie, that's not in alignment with who you want and who you're striving to be today. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Well said, I and mean, I love it. It's, it's about learning the lessons and banking them. I think, you know, it's it, like you say, it's, you just can't keep doing the same things. You're going to get the same solution. And like, you wanted so much not to do the same thing as your mom, but what you focus on, you know, if you're looking in the rear view mirror the whole time, you're going to crash. We've, we've got to take control back. We've got to do things differently. I, I totally agree. And I, that's a lot of the work that I know you do. And I do with our clients is learn the lessons, you know, like bring it around, be consciously aware doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes like you say you might still find yourself leaning into those situations but if you can spot the signs and the red flags earlier on because you said you know there were warning signs before three months into your marriage things were going on but because that wasn't so dissimilar I guess to what you've grown up with that was something that maybe you could minimalize and normalize which which we do don't we absolutely and, and now I have the the uh, opportunity to practice my new skills. So I'm dating this guy. And again, I can't rip those chapters out of my life. And so now I'm up against making sure that I'm not bringing the baggage, making sure I'm not bringing the uh, unconscious, subconscious foolery, for lack of better terms, in my newness, Sarah, because that is my default, right? It's like, you yelled at, I mean, you know, it's, so my therapist is working with me on that now. <laughs> it's great though, I think, to, you know, if you're if you're learning, if you're dating again, and you know, I've been there and you get into those relationships. And if someone does something you don't like, just being so honest and saying, I don't like that, you know, and, and not you don't have to be aggressive, do you? You can say, Do you realize that when you do that, that makes me feel uncomfortable? Was that your intention? Just something simple rather than, you know, starting a big argument, but just flagging it up so that you're setting the boundaries because boundaries 
you know, sometimes when you come out of toxic relationships, there are none. And boundaries being what is acceptable behavior for you. So how did you rebuild what was an acceptable behavior and redefine that for yourself? Oh, beautiful question. And it, it, it has everything to do with healthy boundaries for me. Um, and, and, and I have this, I'm, I'm assertive and I'm just like, I have this type A personality, you know, so it, I will go in like, you know, um, and, but learning how to use the feminine part of who I am, especially with, um, I've, I've not ever dated outside of my race. So I just say in my lane and my niche, right? So I just speak on what I know, especially with black men, because oftentimes, they're broken, right? All, I mean, all of us, I don't care if you're green, has experienced trauma in our lives, yeah. right? Yeah. And for men, holistically, they're not able historically to be vulnerable like we are, right? And so what I'm learning is I have my boundaries, but there's a way that, like you said, it. you said it's so beautiful. So like, I don't have to, blah, blah, blah. I can say, hey, when you did X, it made me feel, and this is what my therapist is showing, is teaching me, because I didn't have that language growing up, sir. Like it was, and you know, cussing and breaking <laughs> stuff and just 50 shades of just dysfunctional, you know? But like you <laughs> said, like I'm learning how to, to um, have my boundaries, communicate in a way that, that and, and this is not only helping me in my romantic world, it's helping me at my, my job too. Like it's helping me uh, become an adult, I mean, parent adult children, because I can't tell my girls, I have a 28 and a 22 year old, right? So I have to start parenting them, they're adults. So, so learning how like, hold on, I have boundaries. And when you did X, it made me feel like Y. And continuing to do the work, Sarah, to the point where like my friend and I, I eat my boot thing, we had a, a, like a disagreement not too long ago. And what I had to, what I had to explain to him is that when he did what he did, it was a trigger. It reminded. Explain to us what trigger means for you there, because I know some people may not be clear on that. Beautiful. Trigger for me is in that moment, what he did or how he reacted to me, put me back in, back in 2020, as if I was still in my domestic violence situation. Right. And so how my therapist is breaking it down to me is that flight, fright or freeze, because that that part of our brain that protects us. We don't know, like I say, I'll use my eye statements. I don't know in that very moment. Am I am I about to get hit in my face again? Going back to my broken little girl is my mom going to be screaming out for me and my sister to help her and we can't all we can do is ball up in a corner and cry or is it like my my mate right now just expressing himself and not understanding like when he raises his voice the impact that it does for me so i can't what i've learned is i cannot assume that he knows who my triggers are i have to communicate it in a way that he hears not only my 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 voice but he hears my heart what I'm learning is now at that point, when I do my part, when I com communicate that, like you scare me in a way that hopefully hears my heart. Now it's a, now the ball is in his court. Now either he can hear my heart and shift his behavior or be aware of it. Cause we don't like, it's not my job to change anyone, but 
it is my job to communicate to him. So either he has the opportunity to be aware and catch it, or he can continue to do it in the boundaries and the life that I'm living now. Cause you think about like, I'm 42. I'm like, Lord, okay. Can you let me live till I'm 80? That means I only have like 30 something more summers left, Sarah. And who is not, <laughs> I'm not fixing to be in a dysfunctional relationship because as, after we know whatever that no is, we can't unknow. I can't unknow. So it's either be aware and we continue dating and laughing and joking. Or like my therapist says, dating is like trying on shoes. Some shoes we try on, they feel really comfortable and we keep walking in them. Some we might try on, they're tight and you leave them jokers at the store. I love it. I love it. And I and I love that you have got back into the dating scene again and you're doing that. A lot of my clients will say, I'm just scared to date again. Yeah, I'm scared. And, and yeah, how do you know when you're ready, Jamie? And and how also do you learn to trust again? That's that's a big deal, right? Absolutely. Trust is everything, especially for any of us women that's gone through anything that's traumatic. It doesn't necessarily have to be abuse. It could be cheating like I was just coaching a young lady the other day said her husband went on a trip a guy's trip to Miami after they had been together and been married for a total of like 17 years came back and like three months later walked out on her and her kids never was abusive he just walked out on them so whatever the, the traumatic event is trust is going to be everything and I think for me it's gone back to forgiving myself for the things that I accepted, because now I have this healthy sense of, of worth and health, healthy sense of confidence, not arrogance, because I always, I pray for God to keep me humble, but I also know what I bring to the table now. So for me, it's like, if, if I don't have trust, even in my friendships, I can't allow you to my core. And knowing when I'm, I was ready, I really didn't. And, and you, ironically enough, the guy that I'm dating now, Michelle Jewsbury and I, we were sitting outside on her way, relocating from LA to Florida. We were sitting outside eating and he came up to me and he was like very, very much a gentleman. It's like, I had to meet the woman behind the smile. Aww. And so it wasn't until as scary as it was, it wasn't until I let my guards down and allowed him to just date me that I recognized that, oh, well, maybe... Maybe I am because I started to enjoy the companionship. So now I'm just rolling with it. So I think we don't really know, but but uh, but just staying open. Yeah, I think it's important. Open, but if you have done the work and you can spot the signs, at least I say to, to my clients, you know, make sure you know what the signs are and the things that you will not tolerate anymore. If any of those things show up. You deploy your parachute and exit the building immediately. No second chances. You go. So yeah. I think it's it, once you've got those boundaries in place, that that does help. I think. Um, and I learned something through the seminar, Sarah. It's like green flags. So we always talk about red flags, but the seminar that I was attending, the the beautiful lady was like, there are there are green flags as well. So you know, even using that to litmus test. Well, there's you know. Kindness Good. and yeah, kindness and thoughtfulness and the consideration and that sort of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to. I like the green flags. I like that a lot. 
Well, I mean, this is amazing. You are phenomenal. Tell us a little bit about the work you do now and how people can find you, Jamie. Oh, beautiful. And thank you again, Sarah. So the work that I'm doing now, I recognize that uh, in terms of my domestic violence platform that my creator has given me, I, I, um, I'm most impactful on the legislation and policy side. And so I applied to a beautiful school in Denton, Texas, which is outside of Dallas, Fort Worth. It's called Texas Women's University. And I was accepted into their women in politics program. So what's next on the horizon for me is, is leaning into the legislation and the policy arena, getting an opportunity to be in the room where the decisions are being made around domestic violence to hopefully impart my lived experience, right? Because what I personally witnessed is people have a really good heart and they think that they know, but unless and until they've really actually been through it, they don't know. So I just hope in my prayers that my lived experience, I come alongside, you know, the policymakers and help them make solid decisions that, that uh, further help communities um, that are impacted by domestic violence. I love that. It's. I was saying to somebody the other day, you know, why don't the people that make the decisions invite in or, or have their own experience? The people had the experience of domestic abuse who are making these policies and they're sitting in the family courts and who are, you know, having these positions and making these, you know, rules and laws that could be so helpful. If they had the experience, they wouldn't be doing the things they're doing right now. They'd be doing it differently. And so, wow, I I love the fact that you've gone back and you're studying again just so that you can get in there and get that opportunity. I think that's really commendable and just shows how passionate you are about helping so many other people. So where can people find you, Jamie? Well, they can find me at, on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter at Jamie and this J-A-M-I-E-R and my last name, right, W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, on all social media platforms, you can find me teaming, continuing to team up with Michelle Jewsbury in Unsilenced Voices. I, I'm a proud uh, member of her board of directors. I'm honored to serve the community alongside her in that, that homeless shelter that I, that I had to stay in for three months. I'm now on the board of directors and I actually chair the audit subcommittee there and that's and it's called the houston area women's center so you can definitely find me on social media my i have a website is jamierwright.com if you need anything around domestic violence i might not know but i know people that will you can email me it's the word overcoming at jamierwright.com so that that's me miss sarah and thank you thank you again this has been beautiful Oh, I mean, I've loved chatting to you and I know that a lot of that information will really have helped a lot of my listeners. So thank you for that. I have one last question that I ask all my guests. My podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you so that you can tap into it along the way, even when you're struggling a little bit. So what is happiness for you, Jamie? Happiness is now that I'm thriving on the other side of life is, is helping other people thrive as well. Oh, that's so lovely. That's so lovely. And it, you know, for those of you watching this on YouTube, it shines through you. I mean, you radiate just such a positive, you know, healing energy. So thank you ever so much for sharing such wisdom with us today, for being wonderful guests. Thanks, Jamie, for joining me. Thank you, Sarah. Bye-bye, y'all. 
That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to jamierwright.com to find out more about Jamie and her work. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.